Welcome to China Insider, a podcast from Hudson Institute's China Center. It's Tuesday, February thirteenth, and we have three topics this week. The first is the controversy which erupted in Hong Kong and mainland China when Lionel Messi missed a game due to injury, and the claims of CIA coordination that followed. The second is Miles' thoughts on waning support for Ukraine in the United States and how this affects our adversarial relationship with China. Third, we discuss a recent phone call between Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin and the state of Russia-China relations today. Miles, how are you? Very good, Shane. Great, me as well. So, for our first topic, Lionel Messi, the Argentine soccer superstar, caused quite a bit of a stir in Hong Kong and mainland China when he did not appear in a match in Hong Kong this past week. While he and his team cited an injury as the reason, he's been accused of refusing to play in the match for political motivations, especially in light of the fact that he played a match in Japan just a few days later. The Global Times, the English language mouthpiece for the Chinese Communist Party, suggested as much, saying, "Quote." External forces deliberately wanted to embarrass Hong Kong through this incident, and、uh, we've seen quite a bit of, of fuss on、uh, social media over this as well. So, Miles, how is it that this caused such a stir, and, and what do you make of it? This is uh, seemingly uh, a bizarre incident, but then if you understand how the Chinese Communist Party、uh, operates,、uh, then you have the perfect、uh, answer.、Uh, this case, the Lionel Messi、uh, incident. Is a perfect illustration of China's political schizophrenia and ideological paranoia.、Uh, let me explain how.、Uh, the CCP's fundamental assumption of world affairs is that there is a well-coordinated, constantly hostile international conspiracy to topple the Chinese Communist government. So the CCP is obsessed with finding all sorts of tangible evidence, mostly imagined evidence. To support such lunacy and to justify such paranoia, so normally a tiny incident could easily be made into a huge deal of such international conspiracy.、Uh, this Lionel Messi incident is a good example of that.、Uh, in the ten days、uh, since Messi was benched in that Hong Kong soccer game due to injury, the CCP's enormous propaganda machine. Has connected all the dots of a gigantic international conspiracy against China behind the Messi's no-show in our play. First of all, there's this Argentina.、Uh, Argentina. Argentina is always the test ground of an ideological battle between the political economy and the free market economy. Argentina was one of China's safe bets for a socialist paradise in the Western Hemisphere, as it had been. Dominated by left-wing political forces for a long time, however, that was the case until the sudden election of a free market economist named Javier Gerardo Millet in December 2023, just a few months ago. Millet's victory not only stunned the world, but also it's a victory with a just and righteous vengeance.、Uh, he wanted to. Declare war on socialism and enemies of freedom. So one of the first things that、uh, President Millet did was to tell the CCP to get lost on bringing Argentina to the China-dominated Pact of BRICS,、uh, whose membership Argentina's、uh, Argentina's past political leaders had applied for and and committed to. So this was a huge middle finger to the CCP from a Beijing point of view. 
because Lionel Messi is the ultimate symbol of Argentina's international soft power and a superstar. So the hysteria against Messi's no play in one soccer game is used by the CCP uh, 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 as a way to uh, express uh, uh, its uh, retribution and punishment against Argentina in general and President Millet in particular. So secondly, uh, there is this imagination of the soccer club uh, Messi is playing for, the Inter Miami. It's based in Miami, Florida, uh, as, uh, because China believes that uh, this club that Lionel Messi is playing for uh, is the anti-communist front organization with close collaboration with the CIA. Uh, the Global Times, China's official publication on international affairs, which is the uh, sort of a subsidiary of the People's Daily, uh, Global Times in Chinese, mm -hmm. on February 8th, published a hit piece entitled, and I read this, uh, Messi's soccer club bosses have ties to the CIA, end of quote. Uh, this is the title. The owners are Jorge and Jose Mas Brothers, M-A-S. But there's a third owner that China didn't mention, that is the British super superstar, uh, David Bacon. But that's a different story. The Global Times article actually says that the Mas Brothers' father fled Fidel Castro's Cuba, was recruited by the CIA as an anti-communist agent. This is according to Global Times. And it concluded by saying that, uh, I quote, it is highly unlikely that Messi's snub uh, to Hong Kong and China was his personal decision. It's the most likely that he acted according to the instructions given to him by his bosses in Miami. End of quote. This is Global Times. It's embarrassing. It's just so silly. Yeah? But this is how Chinese Communist Party thinks. Thirdly, I think uh, there's also the issue of Japan. Because uh, after Hong Kong, Messi uh, and his team moved to, uh, to Japan to play. The CCP is a favorite four guy, and the pinata is Japan, because they always try to drum up xenophobia and the international conspiracy sentiment inside China. Japan is perfect uh, uh, target. Messi played in Tokyo the next day for about thirty minutes because he he felt better physically. Now this is give China a huge huge excuse to um, to attack uh, Messi and the international conspiracy. Hu Xijin. The CCP's notorious propaganda windbag, former chief editor of the Global Times, uh, who holds a Twitter account that has been a main channel of CCP's international disinformation campaign. Now, the Hu Xijin's Twitter account has a team of the CCP's leading experts in propaganda and disinformation writing each of his tweets for, for the worldwide audience. And uh, on February 6th, Hu Xijin's Twitter account had this to say, and I quote, why didn't Messi play in Hong Kong or participate in the handshake with the Hong Kong chief executive? And why did he smile, run freely, and look fit in Japan? End of quote. Of course, this is a, this is a conspiracy. And Hu Xijin further demanded Messi for a formal explanation and apology. You see, to Hu Xijin and the Chinese Communist Party is just another piece of evidence proving Messi's evil intent. And then there is a touchy matter of Hong Kong, because Hong Kong has been used uh, as uh, the CCP's new Potemkin village, a fake free port that demands global respect. In fact, Messi is guilty of being pro-Hong Kong people's aspiration for human rights and freedom. Now, you recall uh, back in 2017, 
a Hong Kong super fan of Macy's, uh, a gentleman by the name of Howard Lam, M-A-M, L-A-M, wrote to Messi directly, uh, who was playing in Barcelona at the time, and asked Messi for an autographed photo so that he could send it to another super fan of Messi's, the famous jailed 2010 Nobel Peace Prize winner, uh, human rights activist Liu Xiaobo. Uh, Liu Xiaobo was a big fan of Messi. So Messi immediately responded uh, uh, to Mr. Lam's request and sent the autographed photo uh, to Howard Lam in Hong Kong. Unfortunately, by the time the photo arrived in Mr. Lam's hands in Hong Kong, Liu Xiaobo had died of cancer. But the CCP agent got wind of this uh, and sent thugs to Hong Kong to beat up Mr. Lam so severely that he had to be hospitalized. So the case must be enraged the Messi because this was a much publicized case at the time. So last week, uh, the CCP knew Messi's sympathy with the Chinese human rights cause and so made the connection between that incident in 2017 and the soccer game. Uh, CCP's proxies in Hong Kong are all mobilized, and that means no words to attack uh, Messi. Uh, and their hysteria is very hilarious as well as uh, ridiculous. The main pro-CCP figure, uh, who was in charge of uh, Hong Kong's security for a while, uh, uh, Ms. Regina Ip Lao Suk Yi, wrote on her Twitter account on February 7th, and I quote, Messi should never be allowed to return to Hong Kong. His lies and hypocrisy are disgusting, end of quote. And there's more. Ms. Yi uh, further wrote, and I quote, Hong Kong people hate Messi, enter Miami, and the black hand behind them for the deliberate and calculated snob to Hong Kong, end of quote. Uh, there you have it. I mean, the international conspiracy the led by an international superstar uh, who is now an international supervillain against the socialist motherland of China. So it's kind of a ridiculous, tragic, and also that's how Chinese government functions. And incidentally, let me add the finally, the Chinese government in Beijing canceled a scheduled soccer match between Team Argentina and Team China. Uh, just as well, because you know what? Uh, Team China, China's uh, men's soccer team really sucks. It's a, it's an international <laughs> embarrassment. And, and also laughingstock, uh, even by the Chinese fans. If the match, which is scheduled in March in Beijing, would proceed, you know, the humiliation of defeat by Messi's team will be nuclear and devastating. So the CCP are not stupid. Uh, maybe this is what the, they meant by win-win. So that's another win-win for China. It's interesting, I mean... It- when you look at the coverage of the social media, I think you see a lot of this outrage, and 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 I think you frame it well that it's 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 paranoid and and it shows a certain fragility, and and some commentators on the Chinese side have have uh, in lesser numbers have pointed that out. I want to ask, you know, normally when we talk about social media in China, we talk about censorship, but here we see a sort of storm of outrage, and you mentioned you know the CCP mobilizing proxies in Hong Kong and such. To what degree is this organic, or I guess to what degree does the CCP stir up this controversy and actively, you know, um, drive social media controversy as opposed to, to merely censoring it when it doesn't benefit it? Well, one of the main methods uh, was to basically block or uh, delete all these uh, dissenting views that were not com- in compliance with the Chinese government official opinion. Uh, this is a very powerful uh, weapon China utilized in all the social media uh, they have uh, 
tens of thousands of people, sensor each day sitting from a computer, deleting all those different, uh, all the different opinions that will not be tolerated by Beijing. So the result is that if you look at the, the Chinese social media, which is pretty exorbitant um, and also active, what you see is, uh, is an avalanche of opinion on one side, and there's nothing on the other. So this is heavily, heavily censored, as if this is really the will of the people. Incidentally, Twitter, which is uh, based in the United States, is supposed to be tool of free expression, has been fully exploited by the Chinese Communist Party. So all their main propaganda personnel, including their foreign ministry's uh, spokesperson, and Mr. Hu Xin, of course, uh, they have a Twitter account. They can open a Twitter mm -hmm. account. Uh, Twitter is banned in China, by the way. So there is spewing propaganda on a daily basis, yet they could actually delete the uh, Twitter uh, users that they don't like. So the, this is the major problem. Uh, they created this uh, false uh, legitimacy uh, of their opinion. And this other issue is actually the, the U.S. government has tried to do. When I was at State Department, we tried to talk to uh, the Twitter executives in, um, on multiple uh, occasions. And we say, hey, listen, if your Twitter software or your app is banned in certain country, you probably should not uh, really allow the, the blocking mechanism to be used by that country's uh, propaganda uh, experts. And they, uh, they say, no, we cannot do it. So they won't do that. That's basically the, the, the problem perpetuates until this day. Uh, I remember we talked to some of the Twitter's uh, 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 compliance and officers and their um, their vice president all over the place, so they just wouldn't budge. So this is one of the reasons why press freedom um, is so precious. You have to either have 100% or you don't have it at all. Turning to our own domestic politics, Congress recently failed to pass legislation which would have continued providing funding for Ukraine. Obviously, there was a lot more at stake in terms of immigration and Israel funding as well in this bill. But the fact remains that it appears support might be waning for Ukraine. I want to ask you, why do you think this is? And what is the relationship between our efforts in Ukraine and the American public's willingness to support those efforts and our adversarial relationship with China? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, seemingly, this is a war far away, thousands of miles away from China, Asia Pacific, but they're, they're also really intertwined. Uh, if you go to Asia, you go to Japan, go to Taiwan, and go to the, the larger Asia Pacific, the war in Ukraine is uh, considered to be intrinsically related to peace and, and stability in, in their neighborhood. So this also has a lot of uh, uh, meaning to people, in, uh, particularly in the United States, has something to do with our China strategy. About a week ago, I attended a dinner hosted elegantly by um, our European, uh, one of the European ambassadors to the United States. And uh, so a lot of uh, European colleagues were there. Uh, their overwhelming sentiment is that, oh, there is uh, some kind of uh, stalled progress uh, in Congress uh, uh, to approve the further aid package to Ukraine. They blame overwhelmingly on American isolationism. Uh, it's not fair. Uh, more importantly, it is not accurate. Isolationism uh, at any given moment in the U.S. history is there. But isolationism did not, has never been, or will never be America's dominant strategic outlook. Uh, because the U.S. is fundamentally a global power with the intrinsic connections uh, with world affairs and global commerce. So, uh, I mean, isolationism, by the way, in the history of the United States has uh, almost never worked. Uh, I would say there are two cases where that was a sort of isolationism uh, uh, did prevail briefly. The first was uh, President Thomas Jefferson's 1807 embargo, uh, which ruined America's e commerce 
And the second was the 1919 Senate rejection of the Versailles Treaty. We all know the, what, what, what consequence of that is. It had a profound negative impact on Americans' prosperity and the global stability in that, in that case. So uh, I think the hesitation of the United States in continuing military and monetary aids to Ukraine is much more complicated and deeply rooted in historical, strategic, and geopolitical complexities. And let me just uh, try to entertain a, a few points. Number one, America has always been supporting Ukrainians' uh, uh, war against, uh, you know, uh, 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 to, to repel Russia's uh, aggression. Uh, the, so uh, the recent American reluctance to continue support uh, has a lot to do with that, uh, you know, uh, there is real no decisive Ukrainian victory. Uh, so this actually uh, echoes the historical hesitancy of France during the American Revolution. Because you know Louis XVI and uh, France and Spain, they're all uh, are sympathetic to to the Americans in the fight against the British, uh, our common enemy. But they were not sure whether we could really win uh, until October 1777. Uh, the George Washington's army beat the British in the famous Battle of Saratoga, New York. That Battle of Saratoga in October 1777 completely convinced the France that the Americans had a chance to win. And we are, uh, so that's why, uh, that's turning point. Uh, the, that's how, what turned France uh, to fully committing its support. This is really much like what's going on in, uh, in Ukraine. Uh, there's a lack of a clear, unequivocal success on the battlefield that could galvanize further international support and justify continued aid. Uh, this hesitancy stems from concern over Ukrainian capacity to secure a definitive history against Russian forces, uh, without which I think American confidence in Ukrainians' uh, potential to win uh, would wane. Secondly, I think you know there is also another issue and that is um, there is a sort of you know a the lack of a clear vision for victory. What does a victory look like? What's the end game? Uh, neither Ukrainian leaders nor their U.S. and EU allies have concretely defined uh, the end games uh, uh, of the conflict. Questions remain uh, unanswered. Is there objective to expel Russian forces from eastern Ukraine? Or is the reclamation of Crimea a non-negotiable condition for peace? Uh, this ambiguity undermines the, the rationale for aid as policymakers and the public alike grapple with the purpose and potential end state of their support. Thirdly, which is basically, I think it has more to do with China. There is a segment of the American security and defense community who argues that the focus on Ukraine distracts from the paramount challenge posed by China. I'm not necessarily in favor of that argument because I believe that victory over Russia in Ukraine will actually help our mission to fight China. Nevertheless, this argument is gaining momentum. So they contend that supporting Ukraine's conflict is a misallocation of resources, uh, given the need to prepare for a potential confrontation with a nation whose economic military capabilities dwarf those of Russia. If Ukraine wants to continue receiving American aid, this concern must be su sufficiently addressed. As I said, I'm not necessarily in favor of this view, but this view has to be more vigorously rebutted and it's, uh, because it's gaining influence in Congress and elsewhere. Lastly, I think Ukraine uh, is not very clear, even ambiguous, uh, about uh, its relationship with China. And it's, uh, 
Uh, in, my, in my view, I think it still has an ongoing illusion about Beijing in, in this conflict. Uh, I think this is further complicates the decision to continue aid to Ukraine because uh, uh, it's a past relationship with, with China, particularly during the corrupt and inept Viktor Yanukovych presidency. It was pretty astounding. You know, uh, Ukraine has historically been a significant source of modern Russian design weaponry to China, facilitating the modernization of the People's Revolutionary Army. Uh, this relationship has included the transfer of critical military technology and hardware uh, to China, raising concerns among U.S. strategists among, uh, about supporting a nation that has indirectly bolstered the capability of America's chief adversary. Now the part is that the current Ukrainian leadership uh, is, a, is a brilliant and a brave and it has the world's respect, uh, definitely. Uh, I'm the biggest admirer of President uh, Zelensky. But there is a sort of ongoing, unrealistic illusion, a hope for a constructive Chinese role in a future peace settlement or reconstruction uh, in post-war era. era. Uh, and this kind of you know, um, uh, ongoing illusion and fantasy about China only intensify those concerns, leading some American strategists to question the prudence uh, of further aid. It's a complicated issue to blame American isolationism is not uh, it's, it's easy, but it's not a real uh, answer to to enhance uh, Ukraine's capability fighting against uh, an aggressor. And this segues really nicely into our last topic, which is Russia-China relations. Uh, this past Thursday, Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin had a conversation over the phone uh, before the Chinese New Year, during which she told Putin the two countries ought to, quote, strengthen strategic coordination and resolutely oppose external interference in their internal affairs. The official Kremlin readout stated both leaders specifically stressed that the Russia-China relation is, quote, an important stabilizing factor in world affairs. Uh, so, Miles, how does this factor into you know U.S. support for Ukraine, and what should people who are watching the relationship between these two countries take away from this uh, recent interaction between the two leaders? I mean, just uh, you know, this is like you know absurd comedy <laughs> in its supreme <laughs> form uh, to hear Vladimir Putin say Russia and China are the ultimate uh, factors of stabilizing uh, a world order. I mean, this is, this are, this were uh, the, the, uh, uh, the two crankiest aggressors in the world. <laughs> Let me put it this way. Russia and China, they always claim to have some kind of strategic partnership uh, in probably in the last 150-some years. But that relationship really, really conflicted with, the, with, the, with the both nations' uh, uh, national interest. It has never worked. Even during the uh, uh, the Cold War era, both communist parties and their leaders have a, a clash of ambitions. Uh, China accused Russia of being Marxist um, revisionism. They're not genuine uh, Marxist Leninist. Uh, China is. When Khrushchev denounced Stalin in China, when Berserk said the uh, Soviet leadership, Soviet Union have completely betrayed the true uh, straight away from the true course of communism. China is the most authentic uh, uh, system uh, of socialism. So this is basically where China is. Uh, Vladimir Putin has a different different uh, vision of two. I mean, he wants to restore the uh, imperial past of the Russian empire. Um, and, and not necessarily in a communist way, but he does have this uh, imperial design. Uh, China is, has a combination of communist ideology as well as its imperial past as well. 
these two think very differently. They're together is、uh, right now is、uh, I think is is an alliance of some kind of convenience. Sooner or later, it's not going to work out very well. Now for China,、uh, which has many many enemies in the region,、uh, virtually every land country has some problem with China. You name it, right?、Uh, Uh, so uh, Chinese neighbors,、uh, uh, they will have this、uh, fear of China's uh, imperial uh, design uh, on their territories. So, but China, in,、uh, uh, in order to face all these、uh, enemies uh, at the gate, China needs to boost its strategic confidence. The only country that can do any meaningful enhancement of China's strategic confidence is Russia. So that's why Russia-China relationship is very important for China. That's why their their Chinese leadership is sucking up to Russia, and、uh, um, in a very subservient way.、Uh, it's just a、uh, uh, <laughs> very unsettling to even watch Xi Jinping praise、uh, Vladimir Putin. So specifically, you have to really take a clear stance on some major issues. One of the most important one, obviously, is Ukraine. Now, China has、uh, always. Since the beginning of the war over two years ago,、uh, on the side of Russia, you know, before、uh, Xi Jinping and Putin's call on the Chinese Lunar New Year,、uh, and saying that、uh, Russia and China will have a st- stronger strategic coordination, China's newly anointed defense minister,、uh, Admiral Dong Jun, and the Russia's defense minister uh, uh, Shoigu had a call. About a week ago, in that call,、uh, Dong Jun specifically said, "China is on the side of Russia over Ukraine."、Uh, this is the most blatant uh, uh, statement uh, by the Chinese uh, uh, defense minister, and of course reflects the the uh, uh, the Chinese leadership thinking. They don't need any veil.、Um, uh, they don't need any disguise to be on the opposite of the global opinion. So that's why、um, when Xi Jinping and Putin say, "Hey, listen, we're going to have a, a stronger strategic coordination." Coordinating to do what? Basically, you know, to help Russia win a war in Ukraine, to help Hamas over、uh, overpower Israel, and to create all kinds of strategic distractions to the United States, so the United States would not be able to focus on China in the Asia Pacific region. So this is a pretty,、uh, pretty obvious to me. Well, Miles, I think that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for taking the time, and I look forward to doing this again next week. Okay, see you next week, Shane. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of China Insider. If you enjoy the show, please share with your friends and colleagues. And for our Chinese language audience, be sure to come back and check out our monthly Chinese language episodes, which are released on the same channel, as well as the Hudson Institute YouTube channel. For more research and analysis from the China Center, be sure to find Miles on X. And then head on over to Hudson.org, where you can read and watch more on these and other pressing issues around the globe. Finally, please review and subscribe wherever you are listening from to help grow the show. From all of us at China Insider, we'll see you next week.